You're listening to the Zenial Dadcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Zenio Dadcast. This is Mo, and on today's episode, we're going to listen to part two of my discussion, my conversation with Grace uh, from a few weeks back. We're going to explore our relationship with our moms uh, as first-generation Americans through the lens of modern parenting. The band to dig out on today's episode is, uh, it's actually an artist. Uh, his name is Adam Kaufman. He's a singer-songwriter. He uh, was one of the lead singers for Cure for Static, which is the band I featured on the previous episode. And I, this is just the guy that I really admire because he has, if you look at his Spotify uh, link, uh, which you'll see on the description, you're going to see a wealth of material that he has generated. So he's a really talented singer-songwriter, uh, and I'm going to feature two of my favorite songs that he's written. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But without further ado, let's dive right back into our conversation with Grace uh, as we dive into modern parenting some more. What was your uh, what was your hook? What, what did you did you get hooked by any any uh, arts program at any point when you were young? No, I actually, you know what my this is why I so my parent my mom was very strict, and it was pretty much like academically sort of motivated, and everything was like you have to go to college, you have to go to school, like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think my mom is from the old school. I don't know. I think she would have shifted now and might maybe it'd be different. But I think at the time, if I had told her like, well, I just like to do the arts or I just want to do this, that she would have totally like had, had a difficult time accepting it. It's interesting because like I, I went to a vocational school, but just for the first year and the track that I se- selected, which I'm glad I did. Um, but I selected something, it was called, um, oh my gosh, like information processing. <laughs> I'm laughing because like definitely processing. So information processing and basically it was like divided into sections and you had on one side, like the programmers and the software um, kids who were like into like doing that. And then on the other side, you had the people that were like the clerical and the administration. So like running reports and like, working spreadsheets and like you know learning how to like run a business (laughs) and that was the I selected and so my typing that was that was like embedded in that like like if you had selected that you took typing like every single day and you had to like you know it was really big a piece um and now I'm just like damn like if somebody had shifted me because I I think because I was a woman and I identified as like a girl, I think I was like, oh, and most of the programmers were boys. And I think mm-hmm. that that definitely kind of made me feel like, oh, I don't know that I want to go into programming. But now I'm just like, Grace, imagine what would have been if you had just gone into technology to begin with, because I don't think I'm terrible at it. And um, it's not like part of, so like even in my job, like I'm always redesigning workflows and implementing new like and like working with tech, the tech department to kind of like, how do we do this? And so I'm like, I just never I just don't have the ability or the knowledge. And I'm like, maybe I should have I totally should have gone into that because right now I would have been in technology and probably doing pretty well. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like most of my friends who did technology, like some of them didn't even have to go to college because like it's just a more um 
it's funny you say that they have um i recently saw this thing here from benny's five but from like six to eight they have these uh you know it's winter vacation now and then there's summer vacation uh they have these like summer programs or winter vacation programs and one of them is coding coding for kids and i'm thinking like benny as soon as he's old enough just gonna throw him in one and just see what happens. Just throw everything against the wall. Oh so yeah, <laughs> and I think those will do really good because um, it is like sometimes it is like part of like just the way their brain functions. It, but like I just, think family, like that's what we taken think about. time, right? It's taken time for those programs to kind of come up and be more available, be more attainable. And there's been programs to get more more girls, more women to participate in uh, engineering programs and coding programs. There's a there's a, a NGO called Coding for Girls or something like that. that that's yeah. just dedicated for, you know, incentivizing or encouraging young girls to go into, into coding and just learn programming. Yeah, I think, I think like, I think about that all the time because, um, I mean, I worked with people who definitely, I remember um, at one of, like, it was like a, I worked at Verizon and one of the guys yeah. that worked there with me, he was actually hired by like a university to teach coding mm -hmm. and all of this programmatic stuff. And he, and like, I remember because he would like, he laughed a bit and he was like, I don't even have a college degree and I'm teaching this, but he was just really good at it. And he had been yeah. doing it for like <clears throat> a long time. And that's the thing is like, some, I think Oof. that, there are careers that show that like you don't need the the book right but I mean obviously he was doing a lot of reading in order to like because he kept telling explaining to me that like the coding the coding changes every year and like it's kind of like continuously learning it's like an art right it's always evolving it's never completely done there's nothing static about about programming uh it's always there's always a new version right and so yeah, I totally get with that because I'm I'm in that I'm in that cycle too. Like you're just constantly learning, and I think the goal for kids, uh, at least for me as a parent, is to get my kid to enjoy learning, whatever it is, whatever it is that he wants to learn. And so we we do notice like these little bits, these little glimmers of his just his natural interest. Like since we last spoke. He got into human organs, just learning about what the heart does, what the lung does. He found a bunch of videos on YouTube, you know, and I feel weird saying, yeah, he just found a bunch of videos and a bunch of, you know, kid songs, like kid oriented things. Right. But he just got really into And then in the last couple of weeks, he got into the solar system and he knows about the eight planets and the sun, and you know, and yeah, I don't think he really think like. I don't think he really understands like the full gravity of that, but he just, he's just engaged with learning about these new things all the time. And so we're, me and Jana, we're just trying to encourage that as much as possible. And well, I think that's great. Cause it's like promoting again, like there's their, um, whether it's like their natural abilities, they're like the talents that they have or like the curiosities that they have. So you know, with Sammy, if he likes playing games, you know, there's a part of him who's going to be somewhat interested in at least learning how those games are developed, right? And there's so many movement, there's so many pieces to that development that, you know, there's, Q, there's QA people, there's developers, there's front-end developers, there's back-end developers, there's full-stack developers, there's Python developers, there's, there's just so many 
subsets that he could dive into. It's just a matter of getting them exposed to those things and just seeing what sticks, you know? Yeah, um, no, he's definitely, um, as I say, and he's like, like Benny in a lot of ways that looking for things that interest. So Sammy has like, I always say like, he's a really great person to have a conversation with because he has all this like wealth of knowledge that you're just like, how do you know all this? Um, and it's part of him, like, I relate to him in that sense. Like, mm -hmm. he just does like to read, but it has to be the things that he's, like, Absolutely. curious about, right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes, like, Melanie will even say, she'll be like, he knows more than I do. Like, he, like, he's, like, the fun fact guy. And, like, mm -hmm. he's, like, the guy that, like, you could try to pull a trick on him about, like, ooh, let me try to, like, you know, tell him this thing that doesn't really exist. He'll be like, actually, that's not very logical. And, you know, like, <laughs> and so me and Melanie are like, okay, fine. You took the fun out of this. We're trying to fool you. Mm -hmm. But so it is, it's been like with him, particularly like really trying to understand him and focusing on reinforcing and promoting those skills, which is hard because that takes time. And that means that as a parent, sometimes we have to learn some of that, which you're just like, you know, like, I think that's when the gaming piece, like I really struggle because I'm like, I'm not a gamer. And I tried to play one game and I'm not lying to you. I was sick. My head was hurting. And cause visually, I think it's just like too stimulating for me to like follow like everything that's happening. And both of them, like they're really big on Roblox. So in the beginning, they're like, play with us, play with us. And I'm like, I can't even move my fingers the way that I have to on the keyboard to get this person to move around. Yeah. So like, um, and we still do like Snapchat has these like challenges. I don't know if you've ever played. And I actually like it because no. we can play against each other and it's like more of a time, but it's like, they laugh because they're like, mom, you're supposed to be hiding. Why are you like exposing yourself? And like, so they have to like talk <laughs> me through the game as we're playing in order for me to like play. But then after a while, I'm like, ah, there's too much pressure. Like, just go, just go. Like, mm -hmm. I'll just watch you play. But yeah, you know what we, I don't know if you guys have these in Bolivia, uh, maybe you do, but like, I want to take them um, to those like escape rooms and the puzzle rooms. Um, so there's one near me and I just went with one of the kids I work with, an adolescent boy. And it was such a good experience because I got to see them. I got to see that kid like really observe kind of like the, his strengths, what he gravitates to. And mm -hmm. also like what are some of the things that he's just like, and so we went into one room and it was all math and literally him and I, like, we looked at each other, we're like, this is a fail. Let's not even like, we're like, we tried to do like one or two of the puzzles mm -hmm. and it was just like, not, but some of them are based on like, um, strength. So like, if you're, yeah, like you can pass this class, this, um, this room and escape this room if you're strong or like breaking puzzles or finding things, um, and I liked doing it with him. Like it was a good bonding experience. It was good like teamwork. Um, and it was also good for me to kind of just see where he's at functioning wise and like what areas that he struggles with. Sure. And from a psychological standpoint, like some of the, um, like he really has a hard time with like frustration management. And so I noticed like the things that really required a lot of his thinking and a lot of his attention and really like, he was just kind of like from the very beginning. Now it's not like he wouldn't even bother going into the room. Like mm -hmm. it was that much where I'm like, I don't even want to attempt it. 
And so I want to do it with Sammy and Melanie so I can like, but I, I might just split them because I feel like the three of us combined will just be like this, like, you ruined the game. Like you can't, you, can't. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you're making us lose this. Cause there is like this side of like a competition side to it where you're supposed yeah. to like add points and, and I can totally see them like, cause they're just so different that it, they get very competitive, but it's hard. All right, we're going to take a break from from the chat there. And uh, the first song I'm going to listen to uh, by the band to dig out or the artist to dig out, Adam Kaufman, is a tune called Hey Yeah that was released in 2013 in his record Exploral Girl. Uh, and it's such a, a cool, mellow tune to listen to. I hope you enjoy. Check it out. Hey Yeah by Adam Kaufman. funny how different our mothers were because your your mom was very strict uh you mentioned right she she was more like more uh, i guess book book oriented book learning my mom was very much just encouraging me to do whatever it is i wanted to do as long as it kept me out of trouble and i remember like fifth grade i was in a play so that's sort of where theater came into my life and then 14 
I started playing music. And she was always uh, she was always really encouraging. And then when you kind of compare our paths, right? You went down a very uh, academic road, and you got your degree and you did your thing. And I didn't. I didn't go to college. I still did my thing where I went to. I, I became a, a luthier, and I did that for six years, and then I left the country. It's just wild how. I guess I don't know. I don't know if you could blame your mom for the way you turned out, or if it's just maybe our different personalities and just the way that we that we kind of leaned into life. And then one of the things you said about, you know, we're getting to a point with um, education where edu- information is so ubiquitous and it's so readily available at your fingertips that there are certain. There's a turning point that we're about to hit where it doesn't matter as much if you have the degree, as much as it is if you have the drive, the experience, the, you know, the know-how. And so it really kind of shifts the focus as to what should you really be focusing on, right? Uh, and I mean, for, without argument, if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, yes, you got to go to law school or medical school, right? But there's mm-hmm. a lot of professions underneath there where you can very easily just dedicate yourself to what it is that you love to do. Maybe it involves going to a university or maybe it's just you driving yourself forward as long as it's what you want to, as long as it's your passion, you know? And I guess as parents, we really have no control over what our kids are gonna end up doing. All we can do is we can sort of try to point them in the right direction, get them as exposed to as many different things as possible and hope to God that something sticks for the long haul, right? Yeah, no, I absolutely think so. Um, So it's funny because I do think my mom shifted a lot of what I, so um, now that I'm like, I work and, you know, I have a, um, a, like a management position and like, I'm pretty up top. um, It's always like, I always recognized that like my journey was very different in the sense that like I didn't really have an um, young adult sort of life experience because in a lot of ways like I was very driven and focused by like the tasks that I wanted to complete and achieve which were get a college degree and then ultimately you know that put me in a position but then in the field that I chose, I knew you had to go further. Like you couldn't just do a bachelor's that like you had to go through a master's. And so like that for me was very clear, like that's my next step and I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but did it, did that contribute to, you know, sort of how my life unfolded? Yeah, I do. Because I, I do think that I got married very young and I do think that I, I had kids very young. You know, I have a 13-year-old and a, a soon-to-be 10-year-old. And so sometimes I, I mingle with like my colleagues who are just starting their families, right? Because they went through the same thing, but they went through like the career path. And then they also like took time to like, you know, just do the young adult life and kind of like mm-hmm. learn to and I didn't. And so for me, that side to understand that side is really hard. And also um, my mom still doesn't see it. Like, it was just funny because I moved an hour away from her so we could have some some boundaries and we could like have some space because like I'm her only daughter. And so I know that that means like, you can't, you can't make a mistake, Grace, right? Like there's no mistakes, especially when like you're her daughter. Mm-hmm. And inevitably 
it doesn't really matter because I end up sometimes finding myself still like explaining to her or justifying certain decisions or certain things that didn't like unfold. And I'm just like, mom, it's not as easy as it seems. Like I'm really not, you know, it's funny because like, I think she has this perception of like, if you're not doing well, then that's probably related to you making some wrong choice. And sometimes that's not the case, right? It's sometimes it's like, it's just the reality. Life is really tough. And, and so I think like she still has that. And I think that that drove a lot of my younger like decisions in like, okay, I got to do this because there was always this like fear of like, like, what mm -hmm. am I going to tell my mom? Or I'm, she's not going to like this. Right. So yeah. yeah, it was bad. On the other hand, I'm like, you know what? Like, I would have changed some things, but I'm also really glad that like I'm done with school because I'm like now I'm like my gosh I struggle to find my car in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm like anytime like I have to. I'm like guys like this is a real struggle. Like um, if I like I can't focus enough to tackle schoolwork, I want to go back to school. It's always been like a goal of mine personally and every time I want to I'm like wait can I really do this because I can't even tackle Sammy's schoolwork right now yeah and then I'll have like competing demands right so I don't know I guess it's like it really depends and everybody has a like an like their own journey and I do think that it's sort of like because you know I think it it's just the way it happens um it's funny because like I was very academic but then I went into a field that my mom never probably expected me to go into and one that like really transformed me and I think I'm the opposite I'm like the I can be like the annoying one because it's like the voice of reason like you know like well actually well like anything that they have like <laughs> adopted as like this is the way life should be I'm actually but mom is it really the way life should be like I'm always like and she I know that frustrates her because she's like why do you always have that like have to have a different opinion or why do you always have to like push the um and i think that the i was always I think like yeah. this is the universal struggle of, of first generation immigrants right because we weren't we weren't great we weren't born in the states but for all intents and purposes we are first generation in our in our families technically right devin is first generation he was born there and he's he's the first one uh but you know, our parents, they're, they're, you know, our moms, their sisters, they, uh, they had a really tough childhood. And mm -hmm. so in comparison, by default, anything you have to struggle with is never going to be harder than what they had to struggle with, right? And so they're always going to have that trump card. And it's very difficult. I, I imagine, right, it's very difficult for them to swallow if you're, if, if you're facing a different kind of challenge that's maybe just as challenging or more challenging or you know, it's just your perception. It's just, just as hard, you know? Um, but I kind of keep that in the back of my mind because I also, you know, we made the decision. I made the decision to leave the country and it was supposed to be nine months, just an adventure. And then it ended up being, you know, whatever it's been now, eight or nine years. Uh, and so I know that there's a certain kind of irony that my mom worked so hard to get me out of Bolivia only for me to go back to Bolivia. And there's a certain kind of 
um, what's the word I want I want I want to use? What's the term? It's there's a certain kind of generational irony that you know her grandson, for all intents and purposes, should have been born in the states, should be an American, born and bred, or whatever. He is American, but should have been born in the states, and he wasn't. He was born exactly where I was born <laughs> in Bolivia. There's a certain irony that comes with that, and it sort of speaks to like there's I feel like there's something in the universe that just makes history repeat itself in various ways you know like the multiverse with variants just like different versions of the same thing but it's just well, they're generational it's like generational cycles and yeah I think this idea that you know when we're our family emigrated um I think there was this idea and we all struggle with this I even like it played into this idea that you, you break away from your past and like you break and you're breaking those with that cycle, right? With that mm -hmm. move, I mean, with that change and that that's not gonna happen again. But some of that is rooted in like the human behavior and this just the dynamics that we have as a family, as, as a family system. Mm -hmm. And especially like with our family, because it was a family system that went through trauma because losing your parents at a young age, not having family, not having that stability, that security, that is trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that led them to also experience a lot of pain and not necessarily had the space to recognize it as pain mm -hmm. or even recognize how, how damaging it could be. And so now, you know, they sort of escaped that past or wanted to put that behind them and like shift it over here. Well, we can't, cause that's just like embedded in, in like our identity. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I, I said like, it's, it's interesting because I don't think my mom ever thought that I was gonna be doing like family work and be so involved in like the family therapy side of things and just like understanding mental health mm -hmm. that I've been sort of like a constant reminder to her. And I think that that's hard for her because I do trigger sometimes this, the pain that's there. Um, because, you know, as you know, our family has struggled and they still do. And th their relationships aren't the healthiest at times. Mm -hmm. um, they get better. I think they're really good. Um, when I look back, I do think that they show what relationships are like and that it's something that sort of continuously kind of gets worked on and you know if a relationship maintains or continues um, it's usually because there there's efforts on both sides and and so I've been able to kind of see that but I think it's definitely a painful it's painful to have to recognize that oh hold on one second <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's an emergency <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, and like, it's, I think it's really hard to actually do that work without like being the one that when you recognize it. So I've done my own work trying to heal and kind of like repair sure. relationships and also kind of like, um, but my mom hasn't. And do you remember, do you I, know how, how old your mom was when she had you or when she started having kids? So she was, um, I think she was around 24, 23, mm -hmm. 24, but I know like my mom was 15 by the time she lost both parents, um, yes. a little bit younger when she had lost like, um, our grandfather and then by 15. So she was like in this really, um, 
And I see that I, I totally understand it. When I when I am able to take a look back at her history and look at mm -hmm. the things, I'm like, I get where she was coming from because she did take on this um kind of um mother role and kind of like nurturing and responsibility that no one placed on her, but sort of like she was like, I, I'm gonna have to do it because my mom's not here, my father's not here. And if my older siblings won't do it, like I have to do it, right? So she put that on herself, but that came with a lot of pain, I think, and struggle and also putting her side herself to the side and not recognizing how much that that's important. Yeah. And that's also like, you know, highlighted as values within like, I think the Bolivian culture is like family first. We do everything for family, but that's where I differ a little bit having um, my understanding and maybe where the American side kind of, um, where I have a little bit more of like a different identity in the sense that like, I've learned a lot about relationships and relationships are two way streets. And they're also boundaries and limits that we're supposed to have with people, even family, if they're not healthy for us. But I think she struggled with that. I think she struggled, um, with that ability. So I think in that process, when she was like a young adult, she did a lot of things in the, for the sake of the family or for the sake of like, right. um, you know, and I think that even in my situation, I saw a lot of that happening because as I was going through my separation, she also kind of communicated and expressed that soul, that same idea, like, but you have kids, but you are there, but these are things, you know? And there was always like, I had to do my own work to kind of be okay with like, but yeah, but then there's me too as a human being. And I matter enough because like, it finally clicked to me and I'm starting to like have my mom see it where like, if you're a happy parent because you're happy inside with yourself and you're happy being the way you are, you're more likely to be happy. Like your kids are more likely to be happy because you're transmitting that energy. But if you continuously live to conform to standards that you're you struggle doing it not because they're not achievable maybe that they're just not you right then you're unhappy all the time and in turn your kids are unhappy and so I've like worked with my mom on being able to sort of communicate that in a way that doesn't she then doesn't take it and internalize it as like well you don't you think I'm bad then or you think that like the way I've done things is bad right. and it's it's not, but it's just that, you know, we're different and we're differing, we're in a different place now. And the, like, I, they don't do well with rigidity. I don't do well with rigidity. Mm -hmm. um, they're too outspoken for rigidity because I empowered them to give, like, I gave them a voice so that they can feel free to tell me and call me out on things. And sometimes I do have to hear things that I don't want to, but sometimes it's good to hear that too, you know, because mm -hmm. it makes me like, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm not really, or, you know, yeah. Why did you, you know, it's like with, I'm at a place right now where like respect is really important amongst us mm -hmm. and recognizing they will hold it over me. Where like, are you being respectful to us? And they're right. Sometimes I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading this new book and it's called how to do the work. Mm -hmm. Recognize your patterns, heal from your past, create yourself. It's written by a holistic psychology and it just talks about the sense of self and looking back at our history mm -hmm. and how um, our past has shaped us. But um, 
yeah, it's just been, I've been more mindful about generational trauma and how do you, how do you recognize it and how do you shift to prevent that from continuing to happen within family cycles. So right. like, you know, the work that I'm doing now, hopefully will carry over with my kids and to kind of help them. But yeah, but it's, it's definitely, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, our parents grew, grew up in a certain way and you can only imagine the amount of, uh, I guess the challenges or the insecurities that they had to face and overcome to get as far as they did. And then for us to make our own decisions and to carve our own, our own path and decide how we're going to do things, you can see, you can definitely understand how they might, they might feel like it's an affront to their, to the way that they raised us. Right. I knew that I had to, I had to kind of overcome that the decision to, to stay here and to live here and to kind of start my family here and not, not in the States. I knew that, I know that that hurts my mom. I know that that, that hurts her a little bit. I know that she struggles with it, but I also know that she's sort of come to accept it. And she, she's supported us in many, many ways since Benny was born. I feel like ironically, the distance really helped our relationship. I remember in my 20s when I lived uh, with them, with him, with her and, and, uh, and Devin, we, there was a period of time that we really clashed about the smallest things that we just weren't two people that should live together, right? And now I feel like with the distance and the time, like the physical distance has really helped us breathe through our relationship, you know? Maybe part of it too is because we realize that when we talk, you know, it's not like I can just go over her house and, and have dinner. You know, it's not like she can just stop by. It's, you know, when, when we do talk and when we do get on the phone, it's precious time, right? It's, it's time that we both have to invest. I think our relationship is better um, or at least got better with the distance. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think yeah, it's a, absolutely. I wouldn't say because of it, but it's, it definitely helped. Well, yeah, because I think like, I absolutely agree, which is why I moved away from mm -hmm. both my parents, not that far away, but enough to create distance because mm -hmm. I think the time you are, you tend to use time more effectively and productively. So when I go back now, like I don't see them as much and there's not a lot of like the, yeah. the kind of nagging or anything that kind of goes on. And it took a little bit of time, but I definitely think that we're in a much healthier place now. And that's it. That's that. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, and without further ado, I'm going to close out with. Uh, I have to say my favorite song that Adam has written uh, as a solo artist. Uh, Good vibe symphony. He released it in 2011 uh, on the record called Dead Ends. Uh, both of these tunes are going to be on the Bands to Dig Out playlist. Uh, the link of which you can find in the description, as well as a link to his Spotify. So I hope you enjoy. This is Good Vibe Symphony by Adam Kaufman. Take it easy, guys. Peace. I was ready for the end of the world. I could have sworn I saw it through an open window, heard it knocking on the door. When it came, I didn't know what to think. Sat and stared at nothing for a while, waiting for my feet to find.
find the floor Mind inundated with injured thoughts Life that opaid it, it could fall apart The check mate but the other shoe has yet to drop Caught in a crisis The world around me melts away Leaving me free to be In the moment now Just gotta reach in Grab my thoughts from the cyclone Seek the broken pieces And take a moment to be Work all of them out to the dark. 